Now, I'm going to uh, mention, I, t I shared with you this morning that um, the first question that I would ask tonight as we start our study is, do you think that God has ever saved someone just because we prayed that God might save them? Now, that's an interesting question that came up uh, several weeks ago, I think, as a result of this study. And um, the study is coming from uh, the sixth chapter. You don't have to turn there. Uh, I'll, I'll read the verse to you. And I've, I've been preaching on Sunday nights for a long time about sowing to the Spirit. I've not preached anything or said too much about sowing to the flesh. And I think we all understand that the Bible's clear about that. To sow to the fresh, flesh, we reap corruption. And uh, so I come down to the 10th verse of that 6th chapter of Galatians. It says, as we have therefore opportunity... Let us do good unto all men, and especially them who are of the household of the faith. And so, prayer is an important subject matter for the child of God. And obviously, that is sowing to the Spirit. Because the Spirit works through uh, Christians, the Lord's people, in that matter of prayer. And I like to think of our church as being a praying church. We always have... Uh, on our prayer list, people that we need to lift up and people we need to pray for. And our, our prayer life is focused primarily on especially them that are of the household of faith. But then uh, if we take that verse of Scripture and we look at prayer as being uh, something that we could include uh, the unsaved in, of course that would be a natural uh, question in our mind is how to do that how to pray for the unsaved. And I'm sharing with you something tonight that, of course, has been an issue in my mind and heart, uh, how, how to do that and uh, uh, about the unsaved. And so the way I pose that question to you tonight, do you really think that God ever saves someone just because a person prays for them that, that are unsaved? And I want to repeat something that I've uh, shared with you a couple of times in this uh, series related to praying for uh, anyone. I, I'm a firm believer in the fact. As a matter of fact, I brought a message on that subject about how the Holy Spirit is involved in our prayer life. And I've said this for years, and I believe it with all my heart, that every true prayer that we may pray is initiated by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that we don't know what to pray for. Uh, and it tells us when it talks about that in the book of Romans, it talks about the fact that the Spirit helps us in our praying. And I've said this to you, anytime that the Lord lays someone on your heart, you should pray for them. And I believe that that's God's way of including me and you in what He's doing. I think that is an awesome subject. And he doesn't have to. God is sovereign. He can do anything that he chooses. But he has chosen to include us in what he's doing. And so that's why this subject of prayer is such an important uh, matter. 
And so that, that issue comes up and about how to and when uh, to pray for those who are unsaved. And oftentimes, I know you have had the same experience in your Christian walk that I have. You've had opportunity to witness to someone that is not a Christian. You've had opportunity to do that. And I know that you are like myself. You have come to recognize when the Holy Spirit is working in someone's life. And uh, we all have had, have had issues where we've tried to witness to someone and it just doesn't seem to go anywhere. And, and it sometimes it's pretty obvious that we're maybe casting our pearls before the swine, you know, that issue. But when someone is under conviction, and especially when they ask questions, then it is our opportunity and our duty to witness to them, and we naturally should pray for someone that we're witnessing to and have a burden for that person. And especially if it's someone that's in our family or someone we're closely associated uh, with in that way. But this matter of the sovereignty of God, I think that sometimes people just don't stop to think about uh, that, and uh, they set aside the sovereignty of God in prayer. Now, uh, I, I'm a firm believer in when we don't know how to pray uh, for someone, that, that phrase that we find in the Bible, thy, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is a good way to pray, is a good way to pray. And we should always seek God's will. Uh, regardless, we should do that. But oftentimes people uh, do that. They ignore that. And uh, I think this might be a a good time to uh, share something with you that I've shared before and uh, in this part of the study. Uh, I've shared with you that there is a a group, there is a, a people who have adopted a belief that I... I think is is bad and is wrong. And uh, that group is called Word of Faith. Word of Faith. Now you might be surprised how how many are involved in that. Word of Faith. And I want to just share with you some things about their way of thinking related to this. They they believe that Christians can access the power of faith through speech. In other words, just speak it. If you, if you speak it in faith, then it'll happen. Then it'll happen. And uh, these are people that we, we might call charismatic, you know, if you speak it. Uh, and um, they're called, uh, they, it says it this way, they preach a prosperity gospel, name it, <clears throat> name it and claim it kind of, uh, kind of gospel is what they preach. And prosperity, that... You know, that we ought to be uh, healthy and wealthy and wise no matter what. And they set aside the will of God. They set aside uh, His sovereignty related to that. And you'd be surprised how much of that there is uh, in the world. And in a moment I will share with you some people who really uh, preach that and and, uh, share that or whatever. Uh, The founder of that... Uh, that way of thinking. Of course, he wasn't the first one to come up with it. There was somebody back there in history that taught, uh, taught this. Kenneth Hagin. You're familiar with him maybe uh, from his um, 
And as a matter of fact, I don't even know if he's still around. Kenneth Hagin. I don't, I'm not sure about that. But uh, some of that thinking originated uh, from him. And uh, the heart of that teaching is that the belief in the force of faith, that one's faith is forceful enough and powerful enough that God is obligated to do what we ask, do whatever we ask, that He's obligated. And of course, you would know uh, that that would be something that is wrong, that kind of thinking. But they call that the faith force. And it, it is said to operate independently of God's sovereignty and will, and God Himself is subject to these laws. Now, I don't know what you think about that, but that, in my opinion, is about as close to idolatry as you can get. And uh, I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And so, this is some of the thinking that is out there. I'll share with you this. I run across this some time ago. One of those men who preached that is a man called Creflo, Do Creflo, Creflo Dollar. He's got a strange name, don't he? But anyway, he's, he's a television preacher, and uh, you probably have run across him. He supposedly brought a message one time and titled it, Little Gods, Little Gods. And here's some of the things that he said uh, related to that. He said, when horses get together, what do they produce? And of course, the audience said, horses. Then he said, when dogs get together, what do they produce? And of course, the audience said, dogs. And when cats get together, what do they produce? And the audience said, cats. And he said this, God said, let us make man in our image and ask, what does that produce? And they said, gods. They said, gods. In other words, he said, you're not human. The only human part of you is the flesh you're carrying around. And... That's just awful that he would say things like that and uh, that he would believe that. And so they take that thought from a couple of passages of Scripture, and I'll share that with you. In, in the book of Mark, and you can turn to this if you'd like, in Mark chapter 11 and verse 22 through 24. And I'm going to read the, those verses to you. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. And it says this, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which uh, he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now you could understand how that uh, those people who believe like that would take this passage of Scripture and share that as a proof text of what they believe. And also they use in the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse number 10. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 10. And here's what that says. And if Christ be in you, the body uh, is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And evidently, I, oh, Romans chapter 10, 
and verse 8. I was in the wrong place. I thought that didn't make sense. It says this in chapter 10 and verse 8, But what saith it? The word is nigh unto thee, and even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Now I want you to think about that just a moment. Uh, Thinking in these terms, that if there's something that you desire, and you have enough faith that you can speak that, and God is obligated, no matter what His plans are, or what His will might be, He will, He's bound to that law. He is bound to that. And He has to uh, answer that. Well, that's, that's the kind of thing that they, uh, that they do. And so, uh, the word of faith. And, and you'd be surprised, you'd say, well, we're not part of that, and we, we reject that kind of thing. But you'd be surprised at how many uh, people will believe that, will think that way. And there may be people that think that way anyway. That if I have enough faith, whatever I say, whatever I pray, then God is obligated uh, to uh, meet that. And uh, I thought about that the other day because I heard someone in our church family praying for those that are on our prayer list. And, and they mentioned it this way, uh, God, we lift them up and whatever thy will is for their lives, that's what we pray for. And that was, that was a good way to say that. And of course, John, uh, he made that abundantly clear uh, in chapter 5, and I believe it's verse 24 of the book of 1 John, that what we pray for in his will, you don't set aside the will of God. You don't set aside the sovereignty of God in those matters. Now, right quickly, I'll share with you some of the uh, list of preachers that promote that and teach that and preach that. Now, here's the list. Joel Osteen. Everybody's familiar with that one. Joel Osteen. Joyce Myers. Creflo Dollar, as I've already mentioned. Kenneth Copeland. Benny Hinn. Paul Crouch, J.D. Uh, uh, T.D. Jakes, and Robert Tilton. Those are just a few. And uh, you know what amazes me? Uh, there, there are sound preachers that you can listen to on TV, uh, some that uh, I enjoy listening to, and I tune in every once in a while. But these people dominate the airwaves, and uh, they are constantly uh, producing their thoughts and everything for consumption. Now, this is a dangerous thing. Of course, you would agree with me that it is. We, we respect and believe in the sovereignty of God. We believe that He does His will. So, uh, what, the point I want to make is that I believe this has to do with the way that we pray for those who are unsaved. Or the way we pray actually for anyone. And I'm going to share with you Uh, the second part of that 10th verse of the 6th chapter of Galatians about especially those who are of the household of the faith. And and our prayer lives are primarily taken up that way because we know that they are the Lord's children and we love them and we care for them and we pray for them. And that uh, our church prays for people like that all the time. So how do you pray uh, for the unsaved? Well, first of all, as I shared with you, you have someone on your heart, you ought to pray God's will for their life. First thing I think is we must acknowledge that the Bible teaches us 
that every individual must trust Christ as their Savior themselves. They must do that. And the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word. Now I'm a firm believer in that. I really believe that with all my heart. I believe that God honors His Word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word. And uh, I probably uh, just invite people to church more than I actually witness to them. I really do. I invite people to church all the time. Uh, And when I'm roaming around in the county, I do. Because I believe that there's something special about someone coming under the preached gospel. I just really believe that. I believe that's an atmosphere that God uses. And you know, I've thought about that uh, over the years. I've thought back and, uh, you know... uh, it's, that's been my way of thinking for a long, long time. The Bible, and the Bible tells us this in the Great Commission, that we're to preach the gospel to every creature. And God said, and you know that I like this passage because I, I quote it or make reference to it quite often. God said in Isaiah 55, My word will not return unto me void. Not return unto me void. And so we have a promise from the Lord that it's going to accomplish what He sends it forth to accomplish. And I've mentioned this in your hearing before, that, uh, of course, you have to believe in the doctrine of election. Now, there are a lot of people who don't like that doctrine, but you have no choice if you are familiar with the things that are taught in the Word of God. The doctrine of election. And I've thought about this over the years, about how that... In places in our world where the gospel is proclaimed, people are saved. And then there are places in the world where the gospel is not proclaimed, and very few seem to ever come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I believe there's a reason. Because, see, God looked out over time in eternity. And God knew where His Word would be taken and witnessed and preached and proclaimed. And He's chosen to honor His Word in that way. And I thought about this, too. Uh, many years ago, uh, when my first youngin was born, and uh, that's been a long time back. That's right at fifty. He'll be fifty his birthday, the first one. And I, the the Lord just laid something on my heart pertaining to that. I didn't know how many children that we might have, and I made this commitment to the Lord. I said, Lord, it's something in this way. If you help me, my children will never get up and say, Dad, are we going to Sunday school today? Because they would know we are. We're going to church on the Lord's Day. We're going to church. And you know what? Over the years, neither one of them ever asked that question. It would have been a dumb one for them to ask. And they knew that. You see, I made a commitment. I wanted my children, however many children I might have, to be under the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. And of course, in my prayers, I committed them to the Lord. Lord, here they are. And, and I wanted them to be uh, where they could be exposed to the Word of God. You say, well, preacher, do you ever remember praying, God, will you please save, save my son? I don't ever remember praying that. I really don't. But what I did do, is that I'd done the best I could to teach them and 
and have them under the preaching of the gospel. And I believe that God honored that. Of course, God saved both my boys. And uh, so when it comes to, and I, I'll not uh, go on with this. I may take the subject up again next Sunday night. But when it comes to our witness and our concern for the unsaved, and we ought to be concerned for them, the very fact that the commission would, uh, to the church would be to preach the gospel to every creature, the fact that that's true in the Bible means I ought to care about every creature. That I, I ought to share the gospel wherever and whenever I have opportunity to do so. And to know that God will honor His Word in the way that He chooses to do so. And so uh, I want to say that I believe primarily in thinking about praying for the unsaved, share the gospel with them. Share the gospel with them and pray for them because we can't change someone. We can't convict a person. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. That's His work. And we need to be awful careful not to intervene and try to do God's work for Him. And so we'll end our study there. I know we're going to here in a moment uh, share together in the Lord's Supper. So I don't want to take, take up so much time. You know I can do it. <laughs> I don't have any trouble with that. I have the gift, you know. But anyway, uh, I, I want you to think about that. And we ought to seek and try really, really hard uh, to get as many people as we can under the teaching and preaching of the Word of God and to share that ourselves. That's a part of our personal witness in life is share the gospel with others. So, Father, we thank You and praise You for this an opportunity we've had to think about this matter that prayer would include those who are unsaved, that we should seek their salvation. We should care about them. We should desire a work of the Spirit in their life. We can't do that work. We, we have the responsibility of witnessing to and teaching and preaching, but we cannot do the work of the Holy Spirit. That is your category, and we honor that, and we believe that. So help us, Lord, that we might... Think about this matter that we might pray for those who are unsaved as we witness to them. So bless us now as we close this part of our service tonight. In Jesus' name and for His sake, amen. All right, would you stand together with me, please, as Brother Aaron leads us in a closing number.